October is for horses. Horse Week, brought to you by Bo Ringel Ingelheim, is back for its second year, October 9th through 15th, 2022. Don't miss a minute of the Horse Week action, including profiles of incredible equine athletes, storytelling that celebrates the horse-human bond, heartwarming tales of horse heroics, advice from world-class trainers like Kara Brewer and Judge Clint Ainsworth, and more. Tune in from the barn, office, or the comfort of your couch. Equine Network is making it easy to watch the week-long celebration from any smart device. Visit horseweek.tv for more information or to watch your favorite features from 2021. My name is Jillian Sinclair, and I'm here with my co-host, Nicole Jericho. Today, our guest is Jim Goff, who is the owner of Chester Horse Park in Evergreen, Colorado. Jim has a really interesting horse background, and I'm excited for you guys to hear his story. So, Jim, thank you for being here, first of all, but why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how your story and your horse life all started? Sure. Um, of course, uh, uh, well, I, I view myself as a kind of average rider and I kind of pinch myself when you call me and interview me for articles and <laughs> and things like that but uh, I sure do have fun with it um, I uh, kind of view myself as having accidentally got into the uh, being a horseman um, my friends might laugh at that because I've, I've had my share of accidents <laughs> uh, but that's not what I intend by accidental it's just kind of how I've kind of stumbled deeper and deeper into the horse world over the the last uh, 10 years. Um, I grew up in a very rural area of New England. My sisters had horses, of course. I had no interest whatsoever in horses at that time when I could have ridden every day. Uh, my dad was a golf pro, and basically I just poured myself into golf and a few other sports. Then I ended up, uh, after college, going to Wall Street and being in New York City after being in a rural area in the mountains. That was kind of tough for me being in New York. Uh, but I fell in love with what I was doing in investment research. I ended up following some colleagues to Denver, Colorado in 1988. And that was that was a happy thing for me because Denver and Colorado is pretty, pretty livable and a, a great place to be. And it was there I met my wife, Jody, and we married in 92. Um, the first thing getting into um, horses was was buying a ranch and trying to get my wife interested in the ranch. Um, I worked for a wonderful investment company um, led by a great leader, Tom Bailey. And it was just when we were talking about accidental horsemen, he had a real interesting story where he bought a ranch with spring creeks for fishing. And to the closing and the old man he bought it from said, make sure you take good care of the horses. And he was like, what horses? And uh, that guy taught him and Tom became one of the, uh, preeminent um, cutting horse breeders in the United States, um, you know, pretty late in life. But so that, that was a funny story there. But uh, um, the success of our company gave my wife and I the resources to buy a ranch in western Western Colorado near me, between Meeker and uh, Rifle, Colorado. It was very much oriented around hunting and, and family recreation. My wife really wasn't that interested. My ranch manager said, hey, why don't you buy her a horse? and try to get her interested that way. So 
we started by renting horses for the summer and then we do five to 10 trail rides a, a summer. And we're able to find some really nice horses that took care of us because we had we had so little experience. And I ended up buying a horse for me, one for my daughter and one for my wife. And uh, it ended up being uh, my daughter and I that got hooked on riding and not my wife, <laughs> um, despite my efforts. But, um, you know, being up there, I had nobody to teach me. We do some rides. I had a ranch manager and he'd go with us and he'd end the ride by galloping back to the barn and uh, scare, scare the heck out of the family. And I'm thinking this isn't good. <laughs> um, that's why my sons don't like to get on a horse is those terrifying moments way back in the day. Um, so I, 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 I loved riding the horses. I had this horse April that I ended up buying that I get on and she'd go from a walk into a lope. And that way I, I didn't, I could skip the trotting part for the inexperienced rider. Didn't really like having to deal with, um, bouncing up and down and in that trotting thing. But, uh, so, you know, kind of got, got hooked, but kind of had nowhere to go. Um, my, my boss, Tom Bailey, um, he had been part of this group called the Roundup Riders of the Rockies and he's, uh, from him, and I thought someday I would reach out to him after I retired and try to get an introduction and an invite to that. But uh, lo and behold, in 2012, I received a call from this guy, Tom Corliss from the Roundup Riders of the Rockies saying, could we host first and last camp on our, our ranch near Meeker? Uh, it was for a hundred, a group of a, roughly 150 riders doing a week-long 100-mile ride. And uh, it's funny, we had we had lunch uh, to talk about this. They were going to make the ask, and they had this long speech prepared. And they paused about 30 seconds in, and I just said yes. And they were they were, were kind of happy, but they're like, do we do we deliver the rest of the speech, or do we just kind of stop here? <laughs> Um, so that was kind of a, a funny moment. So I was I was asked to join along the way. I guess they realized I wasn't too bad a guy, and they asked me to join the ride, and that's really changed my life and and helped me make me into a rider. Um, and you know, separately, I retired from the investment business in 2015. I had a great work family, you know, dozens of people, and I you know you kind of lose that when you retire. Um, you guys might keep that in mind, but. <laughs> um, and the Roundup ride gave me dozens of new friendships and, um, you know, was a welcome replacement to, to everything I lost there. So, um, you know, then I went into my first ride in 2013 and my mare was kind of a little too old for a hundred mile ride. So I took a young sorrel mare that was given to me by a sheep rancher, sheep rancher who ran sheep on us. And I got to ride in this mare and, um, you know, once again, another horse that took really good care of the inexperienced rider and um, we got along well and she had the smoothest lope ever and she took care of me and then you know then it was that was kind of leading up to the uh, my first big ride and I could tell you about that if um, that'd be interesting yeah it's all interesting um before we get into that you said that your daughter is, is an avid horse person and obviously you are. Um, does she kind of do the same kind of stuff as you or have you guys kind of ventured into different journeys within your horse life? I know that you do a lot of trail riding, but you also do the extreme trail, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. 
Yeah, so my my daughter Graylin um, just uh, you know absolutely loves riding. She's in a season of life where she's getting her master's degree in counseling and um, you know starting work and that sort of thing. So she doesn't have the opportunity to ride as much as I do, but um, she loves the trail riding. And um, you know I guess we'll get into it later. But we've built the horse park and all the obstacles. And she loved doing that. Um, you know, my first horse, April, became her horse. We unfortunately we had to put her down last year. Um, she lived a good long life. But um, Graylin would go around our arena with t- 10 to 12 obstacles, not on her, but alongside her, and take her through all the obstacles with no lead rope and uh, just walking alongside her. And April locked onto her. And uh, you just, um, you know, I just about cry seeing a girl on a horse that synced up that she can take this horse through all the obstacles without without touching it. Um, and so, uh, you know, she really, really loves it. But again, it's in a season of life where she can't ride as much as I do. It, oh, go ahead, Julie. I was just going to say you're so you're talking about the obstacle, all the obstacles that you have and that she would go through. So tell us a little bit about that because you have a very unique ranch and property. So tell us a little bit about all the stuff that you have going on. Sure. So, um, you know, in, in terms of what what plunged me into the horse world, um, you know, was getting horses initially to get my wife interested. Uh, then it was the Roundup Riders that came calling, and and there's a lot, lot more to that story. Uh, but then I was with a Roundup Rider, Terry McClure, and his wife, Bonnie, and he became a real mentor to me. And there's a horse I bought from him that kind of changed my riding life quite a bit. But in 2014, Terry, Bonnie, and I were at the Denver Horse Expo and we're wandering around uh, at that point, just checking out the vendors. And I'm in a different aisle. And Terry runs over to me, grabs my shirt sleeve, and drags me uh, to the next aisle and um, takes me to the booth of uh, Lee and Mark Bolander. And they had a diorama of a horse park there. And uh, it was, you know, ponds you run through and teeter-totters and balance beams. And um, it just looked incredibly exciting. So that I found that captivating right away. Uh, Mark was giving clinics uh, periodically through the Horse Expo. So I picked him up at 5 in the morning. We drove to my ranch. Uh, which is covered in snow and at daylight I showed him this hillside and said hey can you build a park on this hillside and Mark said sure Um, so we plan to do construction in the the spring of 2015 Um, I had an interesting laundry list of things to buy for that construction including included uh, 40 telephone poles 150 railroad ties pond liners and we had to build bridges and obstacles in advance that we would put in place when we did construction. And we took delivery of 75 dump truck loads of gravel and road base. Uh, so you could just tell by that um, supplies list that it was a pretty um, pretty sizable uh, undertaking. At construction time, we had uh, Pine Grove excavating here. They had multiple excavators, bulldozers, and loaders. And it was an amazing flurry of activity uh, for the whole week. Um, At the end of it, 
Mark Bollinger said, go grab your horse. So I went and got Chester and I took him out um, just with a lead rope in hand and uh, took him through the obstacles. There were roughly 30 obstacles at that point in time. We've got more now, but I took him through everything without him balking. He had one balk at the rolling bridge. When you step on, it immediately starts going away from you. And he came off and then he went right back on. And we were just looking at each other stunned. Like this was, this was magnificent. And uh, I said to Mark, we have to start all over and build a new horse park because it's not difficult enough. Um, of course, I was just joking. I wasn't going to go through that again. But um, uh, as a result, I named it Chester Horse Park because he aced it the first horse through. Um, he pretty much aced it. And uh, we, we've got a, a two and a half minute YouTube of our arena and our horse park on YouTube. If you just Google, I'm sorry, just uh, go to YouTube and type in Chester Horse Park. There's also less, probably less interesting, but there's a 43 minute video on the construction of it uh, that, that shows what a what a massive undertaking it is. But it's probably you guys might know better. Nicole, you've been uh, all around this region, but it's probably the most extensive horse park in the region. Um, and uh, I, I'm kind of prone to taking things to extremes. And so is Mark Bolander. And uh, we ended up with a hell of a horse park. I can confirm. I've been there a couple of times. Jim has been so kind to, to let me come visit the property and um, see what you guys do. And it is insane. I've never seen anything like it. And I was trying to explain it to Jillian one time and I was just like, you're not going to understand it until you walk on the property, how crazy this property is and all the obstacles. And you hosted an event was it two years ago, I think now, um, and that we got to go to and I have never seen so many people that were so excited to be there because it was like nothing they've ever seen before. Yeah, the, the, you were there taking a lot of photographs, I remember, and uh, a lot of smiles, a few tears occasionally <laughs> when a horse won't cross a bridge or, or something like that. But um, um, and yeah, we, we I see that in the competitions. And then we've also hosted a lot of clinics over the years with um, uh, with Mark Bolander and to see people where they started and where they ended at the end, they were one with their horse. Uh, they were riding with confidence. Their horse is confident and uh, it can really accomplish great things for a horse and rider going through that. And it, you know, there's a whole process of introducing a horse to the obstacles. We do that in hand, try to take the mystery out of it, take the risk out of it. So when you ride them, it's, it's not, not dangerous. Um, but, um, you know, riders learn so many skills that they're probably just not going to learn out in a dirt arena on their own. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, just the, the skill that it takes to get over some of these obstacles, we actually, we have an article coming out with you, uh, that's going to be in our fall issue about kind of getting into the fundamentals behind extreme trails. So, for those who are interested in learning more, we do have an article coming out and you will see photographs of that horse show that I took pictures of. Um, but yeah, some of these obstacles, like you said, you're not gonna learn some of these things in a dirt arena. I mean, you're talking about uh, bridges that are moving, like teeter-totter bridges, um, you know, suspension bridges, 
you had something where you walked on top of it and the water shot up. I mean, these are things that unless you are there and you are working on those particular obstacles, you're not going to get used to that. And it is, it's a totally different level of training ability. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it's always interesting to see what horses maybe take to right away and what takes quite a while. And then when you get a refusal, how that rider works with a horse and gets them through the water box that's squirting water up at you or onto the rolling bridge or um, balance beams seem to be the kryptonite for the best horses. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, but the, the level of satisfaction that people see afterwards and um, you know, the, um, I found it very gratifying when, when you and Lauren Feldman came out, I don't know what that was four years ago or so. And um, I hopped on Chester and she hopped on Riley and we, we, well, first we had her do all, we had her kind of go through the process, even though it was an experienced horse doing it with groundwork, getting him on, onto obstacles and that type of thing, but riding it all. And just, I mean, it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's just something different to do with your horse. You're going to learn some skills that you, that you want otherwise. Um, but, you know, many great skills that will help you in other areas when you're out on the trail or, or doing other disciplines. Oh yeah, Lauren had a blast on that shoot. I, I Those photos, she was smiling ear to ear the entire time. And this is a girl who has ridden her entire life and, and she does, uh, you know, she works at a guest ranch in her free time and does tour, you know, trail rides and stuff. But this was something totally different and she was smiling ear to ear and we got some insane photos that day. In fact, Jim, you ended up on the cover of our magazine from that photo shoot running through the water which is probably uh, the coolest photo I've ever taken. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you definitely surprised me because uh, I think I may have read an early copy of the article um, to just see if there are any corrections to make. But then when the, the magazine came out and I was on the cover, I was I was like dumbfounded. Um, and again, I kind of view myself as a average horse rider. And uh, here I am on the cover of this magazine and all sorts of people I know, you know are calling me and saying, how did that happen? <laughs> it's actually so, framed on my wall, so I get to look at it every day. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Hey, one other thing on the, uh, um, you know, extreme trail, and it was an interesting thing that when we, when we built the horse park, um, I was up above in the cliffs with a good friend of mine, Tom, and a team of six kids, in including uh, my three kids. And we built a network of trails in the cliffs right above the horse park. Um, I would walk up there through these cliffs and say, this would be so cool to ride here if, if you could only get here. And there were just some bottlenecks. And so uh, a fun part of the story was prior to that week of construction, I got together and I'd done some, some clearings best I could by myself, but I hired a team and they came in and these three areas where we had the bottlenecks and for some reason, horses need footing when you go through <laughs> the cliffs, but uh, uh, we dynamited three areas and I videotaped it. It was, it was a lot of, one of the funner things I did was uh, hiring guys to dynamite areas. And then the team, because we couldn't get equipment up there, you couldn't bring a skid steer up there. We, we had Home Depot buckets and we were hauling gravel and road base and we we're pickaxes and pulling rocks out. And there are some like phenomenal trails within 100 yards of the horse park so you can 
work on the the obstacles and the bridges and and all that sort of thing and then go right up the hill and and put some of this um stuff to work and you know one of the ways and then there's also i built i build trails all the time on the ranch i built a mile or two of trail in the last two months and i like it sketchy um yeah we've got atv trails and but I, the, I guess the way I think about it is if you've got easy, if you're riding a road or you're riding gentle stuff, you know, your technique doesn't really matter that much. But then when you get into, you know, a rocky um, mixed terrain area, uh, some side slopes and big step downs and that type of thing, that's when all the stuff come, comes into play that you can apply that, hey, I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to give my horse their head, let them get their head down. Um, and put some of that to work and and apply the extreme trail stuff that you learned in the clinic or on the horse park and you know, that, that type of thing. I was pretty blown away when I first looked through Nicole's photos because I really I'm, I'm from Florida and we don't have mountains or anything like that. We don't really have that I know of any extreme trail. Um, so it was kind of my first time seeing it and it was funny. I saw the the bridge where you step on it and the water shoots up and I had to send it to Nicole and I was like, what is this? Like, how, what, am I, what does it do? And then she explained what it was. And um, that's so cool. And, and just something that I never thought of. So when you were building your course, who came up with those obstacles? Is it something that, that you designed? I mean, I know that Mark designed it, but did you guys come up with those together or how did that come to be? Uh, I mean, the, the the primary driver is Mark Bolander. He's he's built dozens of horse parks really around the world, you know, including Latin America and Europe. Um, and usually he's starting with a place like you would have down there that's flat. And then he's trying to build, you know, a little hill you run up and, and create a little vertical relief. We had a ton of vertical relief to start with. And actually what we had to work around is where we were going to hit bedrock and you know you're trying to we have an island in one of the ponds because we hit bedrock and we couldn't couldn't get it out but um mark has been building these for i don't know 20 years and he's got design plans and uh you know we've got a great handyman spencer ruby who built all of our obstacles in our arena and on the horse park and i've contributed obstacles to dude ranches and other people kind of trying to get them interested and get them started. But Mark had all the plans and some of them are simple boxes, step up boxes. Um, but you you can't build them wrong. Um, if, you, if a horse steps through a piece of wood, you know, you could have a tragic injury to a leg or that type of thing. So you need to be able to handle the heaviest horses that are going to go over those at some point. Um, the I mean, some some obstacles are simple and inexpensive. They're kind of some of my favorites and tell other people, hey, this is what you could do at home. But then there's a suspension bridge where there's all this stuff buried in the ground. That when at the time when we built it in 2015, that's like an $8,000 investment um, just in that one obstacle. And then other things might cost you, you know, $100, $200. But uh, Mark had all the plans and most of the ideas. And I was always looking for new ideas. So after he left, um, I went around and built some additional things. Um, I built uh, 
a set of stone steps and the horses are like, here, let me get off to the side. I, I know how to avoid that. But uh, can you, you know, if you walk them up, um, you know, different materials, uh, sometimes horses kind of freak out at different things, but do they have the confidence to walk up or down a set of stone steps? Um, one, I put a fence rail in between some trees and nailed it down and there isn't, and you side pass it, but there isn't enough room for the horse to just go because the, the trees are in their way and you got to lift their head around and can that horse stay with you and stay straddled over that while you lift their head around that tree and then side pass them at an angle. And, you know, that's a $10 obstacle, but it's like the hardest one in the horse park. Uh, we built, uh, um, and Nicole, I'm sure you remember this, but a slalom back through. So you straddle a fence post and uh, lying in the ground, and then you immediately start turning and you back and you slalom through about seven or eight trees. And then you end up straddling this other piece of wood. And that was part of our competitions too. And you can really see who's one with their horse or not really one with their horse when they're um, doing an extensive back through um, like that. So. I've added some where I could. We also built um, rollers. It's a road and, um, you know, it goes it goes up and down. And the objective is to trot or lope and maintain the same speed, whether you're going up or downhill. So can you be partnered up with your horse enough that you can maintain your speed, even though you went from just went from uphill to downhill? Um, so. Um, there's a myriad of these things, and and uh, but it, it was mainly driven by Mark Bollander, and he's again a guy got all the plans, and uh, you know helps us build these obstacles well and build them safely. That certainly seems like a very important part of it is the safety and making sure that everything is done right. Um, so you were talking about how you have competitions there. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's something that I'm not familiar with at all. Is is what they're judging what the judging is based off of and just how all of that works. It's so fascinating. Sure. So I mean, one of the, some of the great things about the sport are that you can have any breed of horse and you can have beginner, intermediate, advanced, different levels of difficulty. So for, um, you know, beginner, if you approach an obstacle and let's say it's a, a, a teeter totter, whatever it is, you want to approach, um, square and in the center for the for the first horse length and when you leave that obstacle you need me you know kind of down middle and straight for a horse length and then you can turn off once you get past the horse length um, you want to the horse to enter the obstacle with confidence um, and then you want to walk across it um, willingly and at a consistent gait and hopefully calmly um, that doesn't all happen. <laughs> um, and it's got, it's something you got to work towards over time, but, um, so there, there's a scoring for your entry and your exit. And if there's, uh, three refusals and the judge will just ask you to move on to the next thing. And that's one of the things with the Colorado obstacle series and, and Nicole, you saw that, saw that competition. I've become a judge along with my friend, Roger Cohen. So we've judged some competitions elsewhere and and it's a lot of fun and people want kind of coaching why do you score me this and and the, and to understand but um um 
the judge is really looking for um, you're in good control. You're not hanging on their on their mouth. Um, they're they're calm and willing. They walk um, onto it nicely. They walk off it nicely, and they kind of maintain that consistent pace as they go across. All right. Thanks for tuning in to part one of our interview with Jim. Come back on October 11th for part two.